What is up, ladies and gents, and welcome to another episode of Dual Senses, a PlayStation podcast where we give you our two cents on all things PlayStation. My name is Alex Wolf, and I'm joined here by the one, the only, the pooped one, Stephen Morrow. I am often you pooped. You are often pooped, and you just recently pooped. I did recently. I just pooped. Yep. Fresh. Five minutes ago. Very fresh. You can catch the show each uh, live each and every Friday, but in this case, Sunday at 9.30 Eastern Time, in case this time, 7.30 Eastern Time. And if you're listening post-recording, be sure to rate, review, and follow us wherever you're listening. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And if you like to see the show grow, head on over to www.mtfproductions.com forward slash donate, where you can send as little as a dollar to help us find new ways to spend money. There are a lot and, of ways, you know, to spend make money. make the show look good. That too, but Stephen, buddy, how you been? I've been doing all right. I've been, yeah, uh, yeah getting geared up for this new store slash studio slash bar slash whatever the fuck we want to do with it. Um, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but yeah, have you been? And you know, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Bit busy. Been yeah. occupado. Have you been able to squeeze in some some game time? No. No? No. I'm sorry. Not at all. I mean, it it comes with the territory. I feel like it is a rarity when I can pick up a controller and really, like, just play a game. Like, I mean, so here's the thing. I can play a game, right? But I can get in maybe five minutes before I, I find something I'm supposed to have done, I have forgotten I needed to do, or I get a phone call in the middle of doing said thing. So it's like, it's almost unenjoyable and an inconvenience to play the game because I just get mad that I can't actually play said game. So it's just like, fuck it. I might as well just start reading about people. I'm, I'm going to become one of those people that solely just watches people play video games. I don't even play them. I very much only watch people play it because the only enjoyment I'll get from it. That's all I'm going to have to do. That's all I'm going to have to do, Steve. I have to become one of those people. Well, but, you know, I, I moved the internet router to the basement because we rearranged our living room for what feels like the 16th time. Yeah. And there's one cable jack in that room that actually works and i was like well do i want to take it upstairs michael no because we don't really need wi-fi upstairs like we don't need a strong signal because we're upstairs we're probably either in the shower or asleep Mm -hmm. and i was like well i can move it in the basement and see if that one will actually work because eventually i do something with this room and it does it works so i should have if anything less connectivity issues for how often i ever really do but so yep. I mean, it, it, it looks great. I'm not seeing any stuttering or anything on my end. Knock on wood. Yeah, right. The only thing I saw stutter was when you first started up. And I'm like, all right, well, that's just the tone for today's show. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when it first starts up, it's got a, it's like loading in and everything. So that's fine. But this is, this is great so far. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah. What about you? What, what you been playing? Huh? What you into? Uh, so I've been playing some Horizon. Okay, um, okay. I accidentally platinum two games. What do you mean accidentally, <laughs> Steven? You don't accidentally platinum two games. So there was a, a very big sale where a lot of indie games were like 30 cents. Um, mm-hmm. So I basically just looked through the games that were less than a dollar, and I was like, oh, which ones look like fun? And so there was one that just looked like those mini games in, in the Jack and Daxter games where you have to press the, the buttons as they show up on the screen. Um, you mean like beats on the PSP? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so there was one that was like that that was only like 20 cents. 
And then there was another one, a very simple platformer with like pumping electronic music. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to get these and I'm going to play them. I thought that they would be just nice, like in between games when I don't want to get too big into horizon or like, I don't want to like, you know, just like kind of mindless games. Um, but no, I platinum the fuck out of them immediately. <laughs> and I was like, well, damn. So much for in between. <laughs> I mean, it, it lasted, like, a good day. So I got my, like, my 20-something cents worth. Like I, I, for the price of a I mean, gumball. Right, yeah, it ain't bad. Yeah, it lasted longer than a gumball, so. I mean, depending on the type of gumball, are you getting, like, those big ones? Because those 25 cents, and they, they can last quite a while because they're, you know, the big ones. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to chew on a gumball, like, all day. That's going to hurt my jaw. I mean, if, if it's a small, if it's the right size, and it's got enough long-lasting flavor, I think you could do it. You wanna, you wanna chew a gumball for twenty-four hours? If it's got the long-lasting flavor and it's not like this massive wad in my mouth, I don't see why not. I wonder what the world record is for chewing a gumball. I'm sure it's days. It has to be. Someone has to be years. Like, because if you did that, someone was committed. Like it wasn't an accidental thing. Like right, I could see someone, I could see someone chewing a gumball for a long time just because, like, they're stuck in the class. There's no trash can, or they just forgot thinners rolling around and out. But uh, if you're looking to break a world record, okay, you're in it. You're in it to win it. Okay, longest time chewing gum. Richard Walker holds the record for the Chomp title by chewing 135 sticks of gum for the longest time. He chomped for eight hours. What about a single piece of gum? What's the longest for a single piece? Because, see, I could see where he could get eight hours, but it's 137 pieces of gum in your mouth. Well, that, that's where you get the jaw comping, right? Yeah, I don't think one would even last that long. I think, I think he had to go through 135 sticks. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like I guess the deterioration and the acidity. I mean, evil even then. They talk about how when you swallow gum, it gets what if I just track gumball? Uh, no, that's the biggest gumball. I don't want that. I mean, you don't. Does this want not exist? Research. Oh, not. continuously oh. chewing a piece of gum. The world record. I'm on the edge of my seat, Stephen. Come on. 417 days but why does it say that this happened in 2032 hold on it says in 2032 george decided to attend what is 2032 we're not there yet uh, it's it's the end of days this man has predicted the future we'll come what back to this in 2032 steven we got a, a, a small plethora not a not a big plethora not a normal plethora but a small plethora of news we got. Sorry, I'm, I'm just. I, I'm thinking about 2032. First off, we had a state of play of sorts. Um, drop what do you mean of sorts? Uh, of sorts, Stephen. Because it's it's in the same vein as the fucking Ghostwire Tokyo showcase, and that wasn't exclusive. This game is coming out on everything under the goddamn sun, but for some reason, got the state of play title. Any hooser, Hogwarts Legacy. We got a state of play on that earlier this week. Whereas yep. an extended gameplay reveal. So we got roughly 15 and 20 minutes of solid gameplay in this game. We got a release window after it was previously delayed. Um, 
a winter 2022 impressions look fine it looks like a solid single player story driven experience with lots of exploration and puzzles and some cool wizarding spells i believe you can use the abadakadabra so if you want to kill somebody that's available which is this is a school for children by the way but for children a this lot of the news before all the the rules against that because this takes place in what like the 1800s yes or something so this mm -hmm. is this is before murdering children was considered bad i feel like that's always been considered bad Stephen. but not no. not popular no they used to do it for fun back in you know the 1700s. people still unfortunately think that never mind any hooser <laughs> The big story or surrounding this game, though, isn't the fact that we actually have a release window, nor is that we've actually seen gameplay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we get into that, let, let's talk about the actual state of play. Let's talk about what, what was shown. Okay. Um, because this game's a lot more in-depth than I thought it would be. Like, I thought it was just going to be kind of... Uh, honestly, I... When, when it was first revealed, um, the little bits of gameplay that we did see, it was like little flashes. Um, and yeah. I think it was like when the, around when the PS5 was first shown, like before the PS5. It was, was during that big showcase, correct. Yeah. Or a big um, state of play. But like the little bits of gameplay that we saw, it was stuttery. It looked kind of meh. And then the pre-rendered stuff looked great. Uh, so I was kind of like, okay, this is going to be some budget bullshit. Um, but now, now that we got the extended look and everything, I think this game actually looks really awesome. It it definitely has, um, and it, it re reminded me a lot of Bully, and not just because of the school setting, but because of um, like all of the different things. Because like, I don't know if you played Bully or not. Um, yes, a little bit, not a whole lot. Okay, well, you know how like you could you could go to um, the school, but you could also like go into the neighborhoods, and there were all these like extra places that you could go. It was a mm -hmm. lot larger than just the school, and there were all kinds of side quests and characters and things. And you could go to the classes; they're all mini games and everything. It's like that, um, but like kind of amplified. Um, and one thing that I really appreciated was the amount of customization—not um, necessarily the character custom customization, which they actually didn't get too into, uh, which was kind of interesting because that's one of the biggest questions that people had as far as the game. Um, and we'll probably dive into that a little later, but, uh, you can like build your own little area. Like you can make a little cottage. You can, you can, it, it like, like animal crossing style. You can like place things and, and build up a little space. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. That, that's yep. what sold me on it. You can capture creatures and you can like, uh, you can grow these, these creatures and plants and things. You can, uh, customize, um, not just your spells, but like potions, and you can like layer and combo them in different ways. Uh, it, I was actually impressed. I thought it looked really cool, uh, and I'm excited for it. So I, I had faith in this game from the get go. It is published by WB Games. It is carrying the Wizarding World mono, uh, uh, umbrella, and it is being developed by Avalanche Studios. So the studio that brought you Just Cause um and what was most recent mad max um same studio mm, same team okay. so i was like okay it's a licensed thing it's harry potter so it's got a massive massive world they can explore lots of things you can do and by prefacing it into the 1800s you've got 
a lot of things are kind of off limits or, or not at everything's kind of up for grabs because you're not affecting any current stories. You're not to make sure it stays canon to what's going on in the books or in the fantastic beast saga of things. You can just do whatever the fuck you want. Um, so that's really cool. I was like, all right, cool. They're given the freedom. Um, so that, that's had my attention. Now, the biggest stories that come about this game, and it, I feel like it comes up every time we hear even just an inkling of detail about this game, is will people buy it, and should they buy it? Due to, for those who aren't aware, um, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter books, uh, has taken a controversial stance on the trans community and has said some really some terrible things about the community and what they do, what they stand for, how Look, do you have, do you have the quotes? I'm not going into detail about it because that's, that's been talked to death. Everyone kind of, for the most part gets it, but I mean, it's so much to the, where the, the cast of the Harry Potter movies, these people made their livelihood off of the story she wrote are completely denouncing her. Um, so now we've got this game coming and she will, of course, like anything else under the Harry Potter name, will receive, or Hogwarts name, I guess, in this case, will receive royalties from it. So this game is like big budget, money's being spent. It should be, in a perfect world, a top-selling game just because of the name alone. But the name alone is hurting it. Steven, what, how do you feel? Is this So as someone who watched The State of Play, and you now got interest in this game, would you go out and purchase this $59.99 or $69.99 this game is going to cost? Um, so probably. Uh, I, I'm probably going to get it. I don't know if I'll pay full price just because I don't know <laughs> if I'll have the money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that. But um, so I, I sort of have mixed feelings about this whole thing. Um, there, There's a lot to unpack here. We could spend literally hours discussing this topic. Um, but um, honestly, I feel like a lot of the things that she said are kind of being blown out of proportion um, or taken out of context. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who has like previously spoken out against uh, her and the things that, that she said. Uh, but I, I, I just think that there's, there's a bit more nuance to this situation and if there's one thing that the internet sucks at, it's nuance and context. Um, it, it's all about the rage. Um, so earlier you were asking, will people buy the game? Yes. People, this this game's going to sell well, especially since it looks good. Like it, it actually looks like a quality game. It's a Harry Potter game. It's the kind of Harry Potter game that people have wanted. Uh, the only exception is it's not really multiplayer. <laughs> Um, that's like really the only negative thing that I can say about what they've shown for the game itself. Um, most people also, they don't, they don't care or they, they, I think the majority of people don't even know about any of the controversy going on. Um, so I, I think this game sales wise is going to be just fine. Um, now whether people should buy it or not, I think that's up to the individuals. And if anyone is uncomfortable with the idea then you know by all means put your money where your mouth is vote with your money vote with your wallet that's that's how things should work um I'm, i don't i don't want to tell people what they should or shouldn't do in that regard um but 
I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. And I, I, I don't think, I, I think a lot of people are, are making a big deal over a small thing, um, or at least a bigger deal over something um, than it needs to be. Uh, I, I think the subject is not a small thing, but I think that, that a lot of this has been blown out of proportion. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, one thing that I will say, which I thought was kind of interesting, is not once during the state of play did anybody mention anything about any of that and they didn't even mention J.K. Rowling. Like, they, not a single comment about um, diversity, not a single comment about J.K. Rowling, not a single comment about any of that. And while they did briefly show character customization, um, like changing the characters' faces, they had uh, male and a female, which is ironic. Um, what I'm assuming was a male and a female character on either side of the screen and all the different customization options for the face. Um, they did not go into detail about um, any other forms of, of gender expression or you know visual uh, customization for the character. It was very brief, like I think 20, not even 20 seconds worth of footage showing the customization. And I thought that was interesting too, because a big question that people um, have been asking who are uh, concerned with this specific kind of thing is, can I have a trans character in game? Can I have, um, I guess, like a male body, but with female um, uh, costume options, for example? Or, mm -hmm. you know, can I, can I express identity in ways that aren't locked based on gender? Um, and they did not address that. And I mean, I guess the good news is everyone's wearing robes, so I guess it doesn't really fucking matter. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. And I guess we'll see. It's interesting. So I, I agree with you that the game will sell. I think the game, it's not going to, while it won't sell as much as it possibly could because of a situation like this and the controversy surrounding it, but it'll sell well enough to still be a hit. Um, I think the big problem with this is, and where it's a confliction for a lot of people, especially fans of the franchise and that world, is because they're fans of the world, right? Like, you hate to see this product, this thing, this place you go to to escape, you that be tarnished by the person who created it. To where it's like, there's nothing wrong with Harry Potter, Hogwarts, the Wizarding World whatsoever in itself. Right. Like that's not that franchise, that world didn't do anything wrong to insult anyone. Right. That's it's very much a victim of its creator. So that's where it's a problem because people are like, I really love Harry Potter and I want to support Harry Potter. I want to support that world, these characters, these creatures. But do I want to support them more than that? I don't want to support its creator. And I'm, I'm not too surprised that they didn't even mention J.K. Rowling in this. Right, because a lot of the Wizarding World stuff is not mentioning her. Uh, they're not bringing up her name. I was surprised to even see her name in the trailer for the fan the most recent Fantastic Beast movie coming out. I was very much surprised by that. I that may have been a, more of a contractual obligation. I don't know, but anything else doesn't mention her. They just had the reunion special on HBO Max uh, last holiday. They didn't advertise her. She wasn't even a part of it. Not a damn thing. So they're very much kind of like wipe the slate clean of her and I imagine just pay her her royalties, what she's owed, and that's it. 
and they're going to keep much in the way. background now. Yeah, she's very much, I don't think she has really any hands-on ex- a lot with this, except for, I mean, I know she did with the most recent Fantastic Beast movie, um, because it's been in production for so long, um, well before I believe her comments came out. So, I mean, I don't know if that would have been any different. But yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that the game is going to have this kind of tainted history. I don't, personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with anyone buying the game, right? Because you're not just supporting her. You're not just supporting her comments. There's an entire studio of people developing this game, an entire publishing company funding this game that will be supported by your dollar in this. So, And and they have have been outspoken about being very supportive of the LGBTQA plus community. Yeah. So So it's hard to say. It's not like J.K. Rowling is getting every bit of your seventy dollars that goes into this, right? Um, so, and I, I, and it may be a matter of like they just pay her a lump sum of money that she's going to get regardless of what you spend on the game. She sold them rights, maybe. I don't know contractual details behind this, but they may have already paid her out and been done with it. So, and anything else coming. So, J.K. I, Rowling, uh, she maintains creative control over anything that has to do with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Uh, so, like with with all projects. So she's still, at least on a consultant level, um, for Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, there was a whole thing with the theme parks, and that's why they ended up going with Universal, because Disney wanted to be able to put their own spin on things and kind of come up with their own original characters. And JK was like, is that what people call her? JK? Um, uh, JK was like, no. It has to be this, this, this. Like she wasn't really allowing for um, any other creative output. It was her baby. No one's touching it. No yeah, one's altering it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and she's probably kind of been a little bit more relaxed with that as of late. Uh, but, anyways, so historically speaking, uh, she's she's very protective of her baby, um, which is understandable if you if you know how Harry Potter got its start and wh- where she was at in life when it happened. It's understandable why she's as you know this is this like you you don't alter this this is what this is um not at least not without her say so mm-hmm. but yeah well we'll see how it goes we'll see how it unfolds it'll be interesting um again i think this game will come out i think it'll be critically well received i think it'll sell but just acknowledge what's going on behind the scenes i guess when you do this uh if you're interested there's a good read on gamespot.com Written by who's got the byline on this? I was reading this earlier today. I've actually been more interested in this than I was the game itself. By Jesse Earl. It was published on uh, March 19th called J.K. Rowling's Anti-Transgender Stance in Hogwarts Legacy. So give that a read if you're interested. She kind of really unpacks as much as she can, explaining the timeline of everything going on and kind of giving her two cents on the whole thing. So really cool. Um, moving right along, Stephen. Um, we also... Well, uh, real fast, I am curious what some of our audience has to say about this. Um, so by all means, feel free to write in at bemorethanfriends at gmail.com. Tell us, are you going to pick up the game? Are you concerned at all about um, how these controversial statements and things shared by J.K. Rowling are affecting the game um, in particular? Does that change whether or not you're going to buy it? Let us know. I didn't know we were doing that. We should put that in the intro for all of our episodes. Yeah, well, I kind of, I want to, like, present some questions, you know, specific things that we can touch on. People can let us know all sorts of things at the end of the show. I mean, at any time, people can write in. 
at any yeah, time. Yeah, but they, they didn't know this. They didn't know there was an email they could send it until just now. I've, I've said things before. I mean, we gotta be consistent with these things. I mean, we don't just skip a week where we don't tell them they can't donate. Look, I made, I made, I made the banner. I made it for this. I am making the change. I all made right, the banner. Right, we we gotta add any. We'll add any right later. Here. Don't worry. We worked on. All right. Any hooser. Oh shit! Hold on. I minimized my screen on accident. Oh god. Oh god. Okay. Oh, what have you done? There we go. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. Uh, Returnal Ascension: The Tower of Sisyphus extended <laughs> gameplay trailer showcases tower mode and new update. Steven, I was low down. I can't. I can't say this name without without getting a little giggly. I'm um, sure I'm saying it wrong, but I'm not yeah, going to change it. I'm I saying. think they said it. They said it during the video. Um, they did, and I can't. I still like. Don't remember, I always. Like, I always emphasize the sissy. Sisyphus. I think it's just Sisyphus? Sisyphus. 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 But Sisyphus. Sisyphus. <laughs> Sounds like such an insult. <laughs> you Sisyphus. Don't be such a Sisyphus. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> oh, so, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, so it was uh, recently revealed during the previous State of Play, uh, before the Harry Potter one, or the Hogwarts Legacy one, sorry, uh, <laughs> that Returnal was getting a free update um, that would include a co-op mode, full co-op for the campaign, and a sort of endless roguelike mode called the Tower of Sisyphus. Um, Sisyphus. 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 So anyways, uh, they did a... It was like another 18, 20-minute long thing showcasing gameplay of this new mode, and I thought it was just going to be, all right, you go in a tower, and then um, you see how long you can last, uh, and you get a score based on your multiplier or whatever. Um, but it's, like, it's very involved. There's all kinds of new items. Uh, there's new enemies. It's different every time, which I guess was to be expected. But the thing that I thought was really interesting was that there's new, like, narrative elements as well. Uh, whereas for people who are familiar with the 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 main mode, um, you'll be familiar with the, the house. So in, in the game, um, without spoiling anything, uh, you find like a house and you explore the house uh, in a first person viewpoint and then you can kind of learn more about um, the, the, the story and like the, the past and everything. Um, and in the Ascension, I cannot fucking talk. In the Returnal Ascension update, um, in the Tower of Sisyphus, <laughs> there is Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Um, there's another first-person narrative element where you get to go into a hospital. There's like a hospital bed, and you lay in it and wake up, and then you explore the hospital. And uh, there's all kinds of different story elements and like mysterious things that you can find. Uh, and what's unique about this one is, in the original game or the main story mode, you cannot return to the house. Uh, but in the Tower of Sisyphus, you can return to the hospital and you can kind of explore at your leisure and do whatever. Um, so that was kind of cool. Uh, but they were showing more of the mode and more of the gameplay stuff. There's definitely an emphasis on speed uh, to maintain your multiplier. Uh, but, oh my god, I, I think it looks really cool. Like, really freaking cool. Uh, it, this could have been sold as its own thing, honestly. Like I, I can totally see people spending. Yeah, it. this easily could have been like a twenty dollars expansion. Yeah, uh, and people 
fa- hardcore fans of the game, I couldn't see a situation where they wouldn't have just like, yeah, sure, okay, I'm in. I mean, you don't win best action game of the year and not carry that weight of being able to sell whatever add-on you want and not make money from it. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, I thought it looked really cool. If people want to check it out, you can go to PlayStation's official YouTube pages on there. Uh, I think it's neat. They showed like a new boss, and oh my god, this thing was gruesome. Uh, most tentacles out of any boss in the game, the most tentacles were on the boss that they showed, and it was there were eyeballs and it was gooey and pretty cool. If you're into tentacles, gooey and eyeballs, check out Returnal. With <laughs> honestly, who update. isn't? Who isn't? I, I'm not. I don't need a bunch of eyeballs or tentacles. Nor you do like I- gooey though. I mean, depending on the context, like yeah, I like gummy bears. Like that's it. Well, like I like gummy candy, and you know some fudge, like not fudge, but uh, some <laughs> some brownies, some, some fudge brownies to get them getting gooey enough. When oh yeah, 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 yeah. About that, yeah. Mm. I mean, about that, but anything else gooey, I'm like, yeah, I don't need that. Okay, because right. it's just gonna be a mess. Well, it does get messy in this game. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mess. Next up, Supermassive has announced The Quarry, the spiritual successor to Until Dawn. Again, hitting it with a star-studded cast, including people like David Arquette for some fucking reason. Uh, it is coming out this June. It's a full-price <laughs> game. Um, multi-platform. Surprising move there. Um, I mean, this game is literally coming out on everything, I believe, but the Switch. And give it six months, there'll be a cloud-based version of it coming to the Switch. It'll run at two frames. Yep. <laughs> with one gig with one gig internet speed. I still can't believe that they're doing that. I'm that, I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah. And charging full price for that cloud bullshit. But to anyways. stream it. <laughs> Just to stream it. Mm-mm. So bad. I got nothing else really to say about this game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I it's, thought you had a whole spiel. Not really. I mean, it's it's another super massive game. Did you check out the trailer? Yeah, I watched the trailer. So it looks cool. I mean, I'm a fan. Yeah, it's not you know doing anything out of the ordinary. <laughs> I mean, it definitely until it, dawn. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely seems like until dawn 2.0. Uh, yeah. One thing. So what I like about this is. It is a full game, so it's going to be full price, which some people are upset about because they don't want to spend a lot of money. But that says to me that it's going to have a longer playtime. So with the uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology games, those are typically like around five hours-ish. Um, but Until Dawn was at least twice as long. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that with this new game, it'll be like a longer length and and with some replayability uh, with like the different outcomes and everything uh, you're looking at, you know, maybe 20 to 30 hours worth of content here, as opposed to the dark pictures anthology stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And with the dark pictures anthology, they've been doing a lot, a lot more in terms of the, the multiplayer and the, the cooperative aspect of it. And I would not be surprised to see some more of that. um, You know, those elements in, this one so that'll be cool uh yeah i mean i think it i think it looks great one thing that is kind of interesting though it is multi-platform but it's also coming to older systems 
Uh, so like PS4, Xbox One, stuff like that. Um, but it still looks really good. Like I was really impressed with the the facial animation um, in the game. Actually, I thought that looked kind of a step above the Dark Pictures anthology, and especially until Dawn. So pretty cool. Yeah, use that money. They're pumping out games left and right. They're being pretty good. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear an echo? Is that just me? What? This happened last week too. All of a sudden, I got an echo. We in your ears? Yeah. Just my ears, though. Hmm. I don't hear an echo. Yeah, it's gone now. Okay, we're fine. No. Um, yeah, next up, Stephen, I, 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 I hope you have some... Well, I don't know. I, don't, I, I shouldn't say hope. I hope that you weren't affected by this, but I imagine you were. I was. Uh, Gran Turismo 7 was down for, what, a full 24 hours? It was like 30-plus uh, hours, actually. Yeah, More you could not... You could not play the game instead of like very few specific offline features, and it was like the most min- you couldn't do anything in this mode really anyway. I, I can't remember. I think it was at the the museum. Maybe I think you could like get little bits of info of things that you could learn about, but that was it. You couldn't no, race or the so arcade is... mode. The arcade mode was available. It's what I heard. So the thing is, uh. Polyphony Digital released an update for Gran Turismo 7. Uh, This update featured some controversial changes, um, but the biggest controversy (laughs) or controversial change with the update was the fact that it broke the game. Like, literally (laughs) nobody could access the game at all. Like, so some people could still play certain offline modes, like the music rallies and certain offline single-player races, um, but... Like a good 95% of the game, totally inaccessible because it's an online-only game. Uh, So that already, pretty bad. I was perfectly fine with playing the offline modes, so I was like, okay, even though I've heard that this thing is happening, I'm still going to play it because it's my my late-night comfort game. Uh, It didn't work. Like, I I couldn't... (laughs) I, I started the game... And it was like, cannot connect to server, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll just do the offline modes. And then I sat there for 15 minutes and there was just a black screen. (laughs) And I I closed out of the game completely, restarted PlayStation 5, started it again. I did that six times. Uh, Did not work. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I couldn't even, I couldn't even go like move a cursor on a menu. I couldn't do anything. There wasn't even music. Uh, so, yeah, the game was flat out broken. And one thing that I thought was kind of interesting, let me pull this up. Um, so, uh, a lot of people were really upset that the game was broken, uh, rightfully so. I think that there's no, there's really no excuse. Um, Especially when the game was like just highly praised for what it was and what it did, and yeah, how the game was and how accessible perfect. it was. The game oh, was like, this perfect. Is <laughs> This is the this is the best Gran Turismo game ever, and it ever, and they <laughs> fucked it up. Uh, I don't, I, nothing needed to be done. It was fine. It now, was so the, like the most accessible Gran Turismo game, and they did everything but make it accessible. <laughs> so now, to be fair, it is uh, the issue has been fixed yes. now. So yes. the game is functioning fully now, so that's nice. Um, but um, the fact that it happened is a little bit concerning. Uh, but even even without the shutdown, 
even without it not working at all, um, the update still had some features that uh, were questionable. Like fans of the game were a little bit upset about it. Specifically, um, they change the the rewards that you get for certain races. So you get less in-game currency. Um, so basically grinding out uh, races for money to buy cars in the game is like twice as grueling now since the update. Um, and on top of that, they raised the prices of certain cars. Uh, so a lot of people were very upset because it's like, oh, well, now... You know, I have to play even longer just to get this one car. You do have to purchase very expensive cars um, in-game for certain trophies. Uh, so at least within the trophy hunting community, people were pretty upset. And they had a lot of um, not, not nice things to say. Um, but the thing that I thought was interesting was Kazunori Yamachi... Yamachi how, I don't know how to say his freaking name. The director for the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> the director for the game put out a, a message to the fans. And this this message goes it it's it's in the game. Like when you start up the game, it's like the first thing you see is this message. Um so he says, I wanted to explain what happened in this update. I'm just gonna read the whole thing because it's short. Okay. Immediately before the release of the 1.07 update, we discovered an issue where the game would not start properly in some cases on product <laughs> versions for the PS4 and PS5. This was a rare issue that was not seen during tests on the development hardware or the QA sessions prior to release. But in order to prioritize the safety of the save data of the users, we decided to interrupt the release of the 1.07 update and make a 1.08 correctional update. This is the reason for the delay. My sincere apologies for the late report to everyone. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, now, it, well, I'll, I'll get into it later. Anyways, so <laughs> the rest of it says, also in this update, some event rewards have been adjusted. I wanted to also explain the reasons for it and our plans going forward. In Gran Turismo 7, I would like to have users enjoy lots of cars and races, even without microtransactions. At the same time, the pricing of cars is an important element that conveys their value and rarity. So I do think it's important for it to be linked with the real world prices. I want to make GT7 a game in which you can enjoy a variety of car lots, or cars lots of different ways. And if possible, would like to try to avoid a situation where a player must mechanically keep replaying certain events over and over again. We will in time let you know the update plans for additional content, additional race events, and additional features that will constructively resolve this. It pains me that I cannot explain the details regarding this at this moment, but we plan on continuing to revise GT7 so that as many players as possible can enjoy the game. We would really appreciate it if everyone could watch over the growth of Gran Turismo 7 from a somewhat longer-term point of view. And then he, he puts his name. Um, so I, I might be reading into it, but I feel like it's a little passive-aggressive. Um, so bad. <laughs> so even so, let's even remove the, the idea of it being passive-aggressive, right? Let's mm -hmm. talk about this. This game came out, like you said, it was getting perfect reviews, nines and tens all the way around for the most part, right? Very mm -hmm. few average or mediocre reviews, if any, on this game. 
it was being praised as being a Gran Turismo game that was welcoming to people who had never played the games before or thought the games were too much of a history lesson or intense or of a grind and have opted out to not play it. This game was bringing those people in. So then you go in, you have a very, very small, small amount of people to where it's not even really being talked about that there's this issue. Something that was overseen and didn't really even happen that much in testing where this game just was unplayable. And it was there just version specific, right? So to me, that says you just need to take it back to where you bought it, replace the disc, and you might get a different version. Who knows? And then instead of just leaving it alone and waiting to see if, you know, how many people might be affected for this, which is kind of bad in, in the grand scheme of things, like, oh, you're going to wait and let people fail before it became a problem? Yes. Well, no, this, see what so this affected well, everybody. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. But you, you let this happen. So instead, you just fucking pull it. You pull a trigger, you break that, the whole game's unplayable, and then you bring it back. Cars are more expensive. It is now very much even more of a grind to get the new cars. You have no real way of, like, the events and things of this nature that I'm assuming will lead to where you earn higher rewards in these events to get certain things so you can earn money faster aren't even being talked about yet and have no real window as to when we'll hear about them. And then you put out this message saying you can't tell us why, and it's supposed to reflect the real-world value of the cars. What the fuck? So, it, the, <laughs> so just, just to explain, ever since before Gran Turismo 7 even came out, they were talking about the prices of the cars reflecting their rarity and their value in the real world. So that's mm -hmm. that's normal and that's fine. But to do that and then lower the rewards that you get at the same time, like if you if you cut the rewards that you get in game for completing a race in half while also doubling the price of a car, you're not just raising the price by twice as much. You're essentially quadrupling the price. Mhm. Because it's now that much long. It's it's basically real world inflation is affecting my fucking in game, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like what the fuck? Um, like I mean, I, I get it, whatever. But l this is a, a fucking simulator, the real driving simulator, and yeah, <laughs> the real. gas prices going up, all this fucking garbage. But you soon won't be able to buy cars because there's a, a digital semiconductor shortage, so these cars will not be able to get shipped to you for two months after the purchase. Honestly, <laughs> uh, but the thing, so the thing that that sort of upsets me, and I'm so I'm I'm perfectly fine again with the the value of the cars reflecting the real world value. That's fine. That is perfectly fine. But to reduce the amount of in-game rewards that you get, specific, excuse me, specifically because. He doesn't want people mechanically playing the same modes and events over and over again. It's a game. People want if people want to do something, let them do it. Don't Replayability them is a big aspect of yeah. a lot of games nowadays. Like there, there are a lot of things you can do in Gran Turismo Seven. There are a lot, like a metric shit ton, a ridiculous amount. Um, but my favorite things to do are, uh, I mean, aside from just sitting on the menu and reading fun facts about cars. Um, but I, I like to do certain races, but I like to fill out my, my car collection. That's like the, the, the main thing for me is I want to get every single car. And in order to do that, you have to grind out for currency. 
and then you buy them in the game. And that's it. It's plain and simple. Uh, but now it's that much longer of a process. And I know that he, there are going to be more events. There's going to be more tracks and everything. If it's anything like Gran Turismo Sport, on a monthly basis, we had entire new campaigns with multiple new races, a new track every month, multiple new cars every month. Like They're going to be updating this game like crazy. Um, but why reduce the rewards? Why take things away? It never looks good to take things away unless it's, it's bad. Um, another thing that's a little bit concerning is the fact that something happened in an update that they thought compromised people's save, da save data. Uh, so they, they literally just turned off the ability to play the game as a, as a safety precaution. Uh, that's concerning to me because it almost says that that there's an inherently broken system that they have, like behind the scenes, where if anything goes wrong, everything could be completely erased. And that's a little worrisome. The fact that this game is online only, all save data um, is all stored on their servers. Um, it's actually... This game's interesting in the fact that um, a lot of games have upgrades to the PS5 from the PS4, and you can transfer your save data from PS4 to PS5. This, as far as I know, is the only game that allows both, in both directions. You can move your save back to the PS4 and continue right where you left off. Um, and oh, it just happens. Okay. You don't have to press a button. You literally just, when you're playing the game, you are continuing right where you left off on either system. So that's pretty cool. Um, and that's because of the online, that's the neat. way that that's the online nice. save works. Yeah. However, um, if the game just stops functioning any time that any little thing goes wrong, that's a that's a major problem, a major problem. Right. And like, I I feel like this is part of a larger conversation about um, requiring online connectivity for a game. Especially one where, like, Gran Turismo 7 has a shit ton of single-player content. Most of the content in the game, arguably, is single-player. Like, I'm, I'm not playing with other people for, for the most part. Um, but I'm still required to be online at all times. Um, is it, is it consumer-friendly to do this? Um, is it, 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 is it good? Like, is it worth it? Like, I don't know. It's it's interesting because so Polyphony Digital is a first party studio under the PlayStation Studio umbrella. Um, it's interesting we hear this, and you you brought the right question: Is this consumer friendly? If we go back to 2013, 2014, PlayStation themselves made a cheeky little remark that it's it wasn't it's not consumer friendly. It's like at the end of the day, all you need is the disc. You just need the disc to play the game. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Seven eight years later, and we have a first party game come out as online only, and because of it, you couldn't play it for more than a full twenty four hours. So I, I think it's inherently like now there's some benefit, like you said, with the safe data transfer and just being back and forth almost instantaneous. There's some benefit to being online only, but in a, I think that's based off of that's situational, right? So like Destiny. It's a game. It's a game to service. The game is built 
on being an online only game community multiplayer boom 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 that's what that game is built for that's why it's there that's who plays it and then you have a game like gran turismo which historically very much single player aspect you can play the whole damn thing by yourself and get just as much enjoyment out of it single player versus online no matter what so it does this game need that kind of I mean, is Grand Turismo the type of game that really needs the ability to go back and forth between the generations of consoles with a save file? Because I imagine it's the, I mean, we don't see it in a lot of other games because it's like, does the game I mean, need it? Even, but, even if, like, you can still have that functionality without, without needing it to always be online. It just wouldn't be automatic. It would be a toggle or something. Uh, like you don't you don't need the always online um, in order to have that feature. Um, I would argue that Gran Turismo Seven is a games as service game. Uh, it is meant to be online focused in perpetuity with a bunch of content updates and things like that. Uh, the only thing that sucks is people couldn't play it for more than 30 hours. And this Even the single-player aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, literally, the game did not function. And the fact that there are offline modes, like, it's different if an MMO goes down, or they, they're doing server maintenance or whatever, that's understandable. There's a heads-up, and it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but, like, for, for Gran Turismo, and I'm doing single-player events you know, filling out my menus and stuff. Uh, like, why can't I access that, that content even if I'm offline? Uh, like, it, it, it just, it's baffling to me. So, like, what I would like to see is an update that allows for more functionality when offline, even if it can't connect to the, cons to the, um, to the servers or anything. Um, I, I just, I, I, why can't it just, like, monitor i guess or save my progress on the single player only things like mm -hmm. it, it can it can save my progress without affecting leaderboards without saving like i don't even need to hold on to my in-game currency that i get offline if they're that concerned about it um because what they're worried about is cheating uh because right. this is uh like you can compete in tournaments and things and you can get sponsored by like real world manufacturers it's like it, it can get kind of intense um but like why should that affect a single player mode or single player progress why can they just not just don't upload my lap times that i do offline don't don't save my ghost don't save my in-game currency just forget about all that but let me keep my gold trophy for the for the event that i did like, let me, um, not PlayStation trophies, the in-game trophies, like, you know. Yeah. But let me keep my license. Like, if I, I can't even do my license test. Like, I literally couldn't do anything. Uh, so, it's just, I don't understand. I don't understand the, the philosophy behind that, um, I guess. But, um, but the big question is, are we going to see this become more of a problem? PlayStation has told us that they're developing at least 10 games of service games. Mm -hmm. So is this an indicator of what that's going to be like? 
And I don't think so. Because Gran Turismo I, is arguably one of their biggest IP. Oh, for it's, sure. It's their most legacy first-party studio, really. I think I don't think we'll have to worry about it in the future as much. I think, again, the acquisition of Bungie and that partnership is to help those games and service aspects come to fruition and work well because they have experience doing it. Gran Turismo 7, unfortunately, missed that window because the game, for the most part, was done well before that acquisition happened. So any input, if any, from Bungie that would happen is coming afterwards. So unless, for some reason, they pause like in that small window of delay that happened, was because they're like, hey, you know what, before, let's ask Bungie what makes sense. You know, like, hey, let's see what they want to do. So unless something happened in that window that affected this and did play a hand going forward in Gran Turismo 7, I, I think future games of service games will have, if anything, they'll le they'll learn a lesson from this. And it'll become a question of when they go to leaders of Bungie and saying, hey, we had this happen in March of 2022 with Gran Turismo 7. How do we avoid that happening again with the other games we have coming out. Mm -hmm. if th that would be the smart thing to do. If you know it's an issue now, ask the person you just partnered with and acquired how to avoid it in the future. So I, I don't think we'll see as many instances if that. If we do, they're, they're going to be one-offs and they'll be few and far between. If In a perfect world, at least. Mm -hmm. Honestly, so. like, and I don't, I don't mean to sound entitled or whiny, but... Um, there wasn't even like a little, a little apology gift when I started the game when it was functioning again. <laughs> like I would have thought maybe there would be like an in-game message that was like, "Oh, sorry, you couldn't play the game for literally more than an entire day. Um, here's here's some here's here's just a little bit of currency. Buy yourself a car." Like no, no, literally nothing, except for the the thing saying. Uh, we would really appreciate it if everyone could watch over the growth of Gran Turismo 7 from a somewhat longer-term point of view. Basically oh. saying, be patient, but instead of saying, um, instead of saying be patient, he was just like, we would appreciate it if you guys would just sit tight. It just, it also comes off as weird as like, it, if to me hearing that, my first impression was, so did you put out something that wasn't ready? Like, did you just get lucky that it ended up getting this just critically praised? And the game wasn't ready, but now you're asking us, like, oh, by a long term, because Gran Turismo games historically have taken a long time to come out. And well, so this one, I think the, the turnaround on this was a bit shorter than most. The game was... Uh, so, first of all, Gran Turismo Sport might as well have been basically Gran Turismo 7 Prologue. Um, so, like, this is all... It's a very long development time for GT7. Mm -hmm. um, the game was ready. It's just the update is what fucked it up. And there's something going on in the background that made it so that when the update fucked it up, the all like the only solution was we have to we have to literally block everything, otherwise this is gonna be worse. We're gonna have a shit show um, in our hands. Yeah. So like uh, I, I I don't understand how that doesn't like how do you not see that in testing? This is a this is something that literally affected everybody. I'm wondering what the, uh, so what makes me wonder though is like, so this was an update that was broken and they had to put out another update to fix it. The game came out again, damn near near perfect. So like, what was this other update that happened? Like what was added on so that the included update, this bug? Um, uh, let me actually look at the details real fast. Cause they were putting out, it was what, update, what, 1.07. 
and then zero seven was fucked. So they put out one point zero eight on top of it, right? So what was what was wrong with the previous version that they needed an update for one point set one point zero seven to even exist? So it wasn't um, there wasn't too much that was like really wrong. There were some small like bug fixes. Um, <laughs> small bug fixes. <laughs> they were really small bug fixes. So like. Uh, like some things like people's car settings not saving under very specific situations. Mm -hmm. um, certain race events like required certain types of tires, but were defaulting to a different kind of tire. So it made it so that they were impossible to get gold in because you mm -hmm. had the wrong tires. Um, stuff like that. Um, adjustments to... Uh, the uh like the times to get gold uh just very very small fixes for the most part mm -hmm. uh some people like their their custom what is it called livery that you can basically your designs for the car yeah uh, some of them not saving correctly uh stuff like that nothing nothing too intense um at least from what i can see uh but it there was a little bit of a content update um in terms of like them changing the rewards for example um and changes to the frequency that uh the cars kind of cycle in or out um so there's like several different shops basically where you can buy the cars and mm -hmm. they they update regularly and there was um an issue where i guess one of them wasn't updating fast enough or at all um, so it wasn't cycling through to the other cars. So then they were like, oh, they made we it. Speed that um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, like nothing, nothing too terribly major, um, but just, you know, a regularly scheduled thing. Quality uh, of life thing. Yeah. And this is going to be a game. Like I said, it's, it's, it's going to be a game where there's going to be content updates probably monthly. If, if GT sport is at all an indication. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. And then probably, in those monthly content updates will be random fixes and things and and updates and stuff uh so it's it's not abnormal for them to be releasing an update at all what's abnormal is that it was a dire situation that they had to completely <laughs> just eradicate like, it. <laughs> and it, it was just weird like i uh it, it was reminding me a lot of drive club um but the only difference and I, I really think that the gaming community really did Evolution Studios dirty because even when Drive Club had issues with online connectivity, you could still play the game. You could still play the single player events. You could still get trophies. You just couldn't rack up points for your club. And yes, that was the main selling point for the game, whatever, but you could still play the game. And Drive Club, People shat on it for months. People said the game was broken. They said that it was a disaster. People talked shit about Evolution Studios. And then PlayStation shut down arguably one of the best racing game studios in existence at the time. And I'm here we have... Everyone at EA putting on a Burnout game since Burnout Paradise, which required a month connectivity and all that the need for speed... 
those games were heavily online too and were online only but you could still very much play and drive around those open worlds and do races without yeah. being connected if the servers were down yeah i mean i yeah but like with with drive club in particular another playstation exclusive from playstation first party studio it's the same but different the game still functioned i could still put in a drive club disc or go into the drive club application and and play a game gran turismo 7 literally nothing black screen nothing 30 plus hours and polyphony is going to do just fine but they're not going to release another motor storm <laughs> at least not from evolution probably like what is that fire sprite what's that developer that has like a majority of the team from evolution that worked on motor storm <laughs> uh, i think it's fires aren't there like two that they recently acquired that have fire in the name it, yeah i, I want to say so I can't remember which. I can't remember There's the name. Also, oh, a lot man. of like wipeout people, um, on one of the teams. Mm -hmm. But, anyways, I. It just it's a little frustrating. I. I still love Gran Turismo Seven. I think the director's fine. I I'm I I know that I'm I'm. I'm a little bit upset with with some of the wording, um, in the little letter thing that that he wrote. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be fine. Yes. Long-term, everything will be fine, but it is pretty bad when, um, a very large studio, uh, a very well-funded large studio, um, has, has a game designed to the point where if anything goes wrong, they have to shut it down and make it literally unplayable for more than 24 hours. That's strange to me. And I don't want to live in that world. And games are becoming increasingly more online connected. There are at least 10 games of service games in development at PlayStation. Uh, I don't want this to happen to any game. But I also don't want it to happen to the majority of games. And if this is the way that the industry is headed, I think that we need to rethink the way that we're designing the infrastructure behind the scenes for these games. So, yeah. So that's that. Well, well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our show for the day. Thank you for watching Dual Senses, a PlayStation podcast. If you want to see the show grow, make your way over to www.mtfproductions.com forward slash donate. Be sure to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and share on any platforms you may be watching the show on. We appreciate you. And until next time, we will hopefully see you Friday at 930 Eastern, if not some other day during that weekend. Thanks for watching. Love, love, love. Blurp, blurp, blurp.